Shannon. Uh, and I'm Rami, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, heard, experienced. This could be a good one for this one. Experienced? I like that. <laughs> to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, without a whole new degree. Shannon, this is something I aspire to. I would like to be this. And so let's just get into it. How do we become a trustworthy human? Yeah, so... I was going to call it how to be a trustworthy leader, but I really think that these questions apply to everyone. And I don't want somebody to look at this episode and be like, what? It's only for leaders? It's not. I think anybody can benefit from reflecting on these questions. So basically, I read this article called Build Your Reputation as a Trustworthy Leader. I think it was from HBR. I'm 99% certain. And... One thing that I thought was super fascinating in the article is that they talk about how people's expectations and definition of trustworthiness are broadening, especially for leaders. Like basically people have higher bars these days of what it takes for them to trust another person. So it used to be enough to just be like, do what you say you're going to do, deliver great results and people would trust you. And that's not the case anymore. I like this. I like this a lot. I feel like that's fair. I feel like especially working with the younger generations of people like you earn trust in a very different way than I think our parents generation would have, which is just like, I'm the boss. It's like, okay, I trust you. I got to do whatever you say. Like, that's fine. Where now yes. they're like a little bit more like, do I, do I need to do what you say? And is what you're saying like the right thing for me to be doing? Like there's, there's a, a bit of a questioningness, which I, Greatly appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of reframed the article into a series of questions so we can do some reflection on these elements of like, oh, how might I be more trustworthy instead of just like regurgitating tips and tricks to you? It's like a quite a slightly different spin. So there's four themes in the article. I'll just like name them on the top and then we'll dig into some questions for each theme. Some of them are kind of like Captain Obvious on the surface, but we're going to go deeper. So theme one, be who you say you are. Theme two, treat others and their work with dignity. Theme three, balance transparency with discretion. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, and theme four, build bridges that unify. So let's start with theme one a little bit. Be who you say you are. So these are my three questions that I want to encourage people to reflect on around this. What are your stated values? How have you embodied them lately? And are there any say-do gaps, you know, gaps between what you say versus what you do that you need to address? So let's start with that first question. So what are my stated values? Why does this matter? Well, your values kind of serve as a yardstick that others will gauge their experience of you on. And if you haven't articulated them, I would say especially if you're a leader, People are left to make assumptions about what you believe and what you value. So I can give an example here on this one. I sign every single email, maybe not every single email, maybe not to you, Robbie, <laughs> but for a majority of my emails that I send, I sign uh, with courage and compassion. And that's because those are two like ways of being values that I have that I want to keep in mind when I'm communicating with other people. Like I want to 
try to make sure that I'm communicating with compassion, but I'm also communicating with courage. And I force myself to type it out, you know, so it's not like the auto signature. So I Mm -hmm. actually have to like type it and think about it. Like, am I communicating with courage and compassion in this email? So communicating with courage and compassion, you are like hitting the alliteration on the nose. Yeah, I guess I am. Uh, so, so if I reflect on this question of like, am I being who I say I want to be? Am I being a person with courage and compassion? I actually have been digging deep into courage lately because have I used this metaphor on our podcast before? I think of them as knives, you know, and like, you have not used this. Okay. Okay. So I think of courage and compassion as like, like I'm a chef in a kitchen and I have to use different knives and compassion, I think was becoming an overused knife for me. It was getting really dull. And sometimes when I'm interacting with clients, like my clients are counting on me to have courage sometimes to offer an observation that might be visible to me and not to them. And be bold, so to speak, in in offering those things. It's not like you have to be unkind with it, but here's an example. I was talking with a client and we're 20 minutes into a session and I realized, I, I asked her, I was like, can I share an observation with you? Yeah, sure. We've spent the first 20 minutes talking about other people and not you. What do you make of that? You know, it's like shit like that, that it, for me, that feels like courage in that moment. And that's what I wasn't doing enough of. And so that's where I am trying to like dial up my awareness around that stated value and making sure that I'm addressing the say do gaps. That's enough about me. Rami, what does anything come to mind for you of like a value that you have and where maybe you've got a say do gap that you want to address to be a more trustworthy person? I think my biggest thing is like in myself and in others is just like accountability. And I think being able to say you're going to do something and then do that thing. I think my, my say do gap has been like over promising Mm. in that. Like, I think I can get things done, but the biggest issue for me is like, I'm not, I'm not the one executing 95% of the time. Mostly because you don't want me executing, but also like (laughs) there are experts and they should be executing. And so I think I over promise thinking we can get things done, but then without having like validated that the team can deliver on the timing or or whatever. Uh, And so I think focusing on that piece in terms of like trying to not over promise by validating what timing works and then doing it i think is where i need to invest some of my my say do gap addressing beautiful i love that example and i hope these are inspiring you guys to to sit with these questions not just like listen to this episode but actually take take some time to sit with it yourself okay so let's talk about theme two treat others and their work with dignity i think dignity is a thing that we just assume that we're giving to other people but Maybe we want to think about that a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. I think about even in my marriage, like maybe I think I'm treating Nate, my husband with dignity, but there might be something that I'm, I'm not necessarily doing it. So, so here's two questions more related to work that you can think can of you a define little bit. dignity, Shannon? Wow. Okay. I got to sit with that a little bit. I think it's like, 
the word that I want to use is respect as like a synonym for it. You know, uh, am I allowing people to get a sense of um, respect or take pride in their work and what they do? Okay. I just Googled it. Yeah. Uh, binged it. Googled it. Um, Who says binged it? Does anyone say binged it? No one says binged it. Uh, Dignity is the right of a person to be valued and respected for their own sake and to be treated ethically. Freaking love that. Okay. So here's two questions to just evaluate like, oh, am I, am I doing this or, or how might I do more of this? So how might I create opportunities for others to shine, right? This is a way to give dignity to other people. This is probably the biggest thing that I hear, ah, the biggest thing, one of the themes that I hear from people when they're complaining about their leaders, like they take all the credit or they never give me a chance to shine. So try to find ways to allow other people to get to showcase their talent. So maybe it's inviting people who don't have high visibility to present their critical projects to wider audiences in your organization. So you can really become known as somebody who people might say in plain speak, like gives credit, but I would say like who dignifies the contributions that others are making to make sure that they're seen and celebrated. I think empowering others is like the big piece. Yeah, that's a good way to put it too. And then the other question I think about here is how might I create a safe to fail environment? So fewer moments call for dignity more than when someone's efforts are falling short. Right. So like when someone makes a, makes a fail or like has a oops moment, we need to offer people the most dignity possible in that moment. Right. And it doesn't mean like letting somebody off the hook, but how do we make sure that people feel safe to not have to like hide their mistakes? Because even when others make mistakes, we can balance accountability with keeping their self-respect intact. So Rami, you can answer either question here. How might you create opportunities for others to shine or how might you create an even more safe to fail environment? Okay. So let me use an example and then I will pivot it to work. Yeah. Uh, I have, I am coaching my son's (laughs) T-ball coach pitch team i was hoping we were gonna go here <laughs> and we have we play three innings and so i make the lineup and that lineup changes every single inning because being able to lead off is a very exciting thing and then being able to be the last hitter is an exciting thing because the last hitter hits a home run doesn't matter where the ball goes you hit a grand slam you get to clear the bases and so every kid will get a chance there's nine kids. So every three weeks, you will be one of the Grand Slam hitters and one of the uh, leadoff hitters. And it's a very easy thing. But it's one of those things that I think about like at work, like, oh, how do I make spotlight for various people to present to the team or to the company or whatever it is on a rotation so that everybody's getting the opportunity equally to be in the spotlight um, is how I think about it with my T-ballers. That's awesome. I love that. So I'll pivot to the other question then. How might I create a safe to fail environment? You're inspiring me to think about kids a little bit. So I'm working with Talia big time on her reading. And a tip that I got from a different teacher friend of mine was – 
to not correct if she misreads something, only correct it if it's relevant to the story. You know, like if she, I don't know, like if she, if she says a character's name wrong, who gives a crap? It's not relevant mm-hmm. to her understanding like the plot line or the story. But if it's something that it's like, oh, it's relevant to the story, you know, that's worth making mention of. And I think about that also in terms of a, a quote unquote rule that I used to try to operate with when I had a more traditional corporate career to create safe to fail environments of like making sure that I'm distinguishing between what is substance versus what is style. That's how I would offer it to my team, like to determine if it was even worth giving feedback on to a person, right? Like, is this substantial? Like, does this substantially impact the results or is this just like a style preference on my end? If it's style, let it go because you're going to create a much more like safe to fail environment of like people, like let people be who they are. Let people say, pronounce a name, how they want to pronounce it. In the example of my kid, so that we're not focusing, we're, we're focusing on the shit that really matters instead of like death by a thousand paper cuts in killing my kid in correcting her on every single word that she might possibly mispronounce if it's not relevant to the story. Who gives a shit? I like that. Style over substance. No. Uh, substance <laughs> substance, <laughs> substance over, over style. style. There it is. Okay. So the third theme is uh, from the article was to balance transparency with discretion. And I just want to start with a little check-in of ourselves. Rami, On if this was like a spectrum and being like super transparent is on one end and being like super discreet is on the other end and like never sharing anything, where do you say that you fall? I am much closer to a sieve than I am to a bowl. Okay. I'm much more transparent than I yes. am. <laughs> I heard you say bull like B-U-L-L. It's like, wait a second, what? No, no, no a bull. Bull, B-O-W-L. No, that's fine. Um, yes. And I would say I'm the same. And this is something that I'm – well, it's interesting because like with clients, I, I have to operate like under certain ethical constraints, right? Like that I'm literally required to keep confidentiality. But it's something that I'm really trying to be mindful about in my personal relationships and whatnot of like – if someone is asking me to like keep something to myself, like freaking keep it to yourself. And this is mm-hmm. how you build trust. So two questions for you to consider here. Where might first I would I'm adding a question to the mix. So three now check in with yourself. Like, do you err towards more transparency or do you err towards more discretion, like keeping things close to the vast? And then based on that, maybe dig deeper. Where might you need to be more transparent if you're not used to it? So I'm thinking of a leader that I had that, like, he wouldn't tell us shit about himself outside of work. What are what are you? No, I agree. I feel like keep going. So he wouldn't. There's a leader that we both shared, actually, and he would never tell you anything about, like, like, you didn't know his kids' names. You didn't know how old. Like, it was just he didn't share anything. And it really made it hard to, like, feel any sense of, like, camaraderie, which I think builds trust with people, you know, if they feel like they know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're keeping that in mind. Uh, and then if you're on the other end where maybe you're like Rami and I and you tend to be very transparent, 
where might you need to exhibit more discretion, right? Because we also earn trust when we withhold information while being transparent about why, right? So I'm thinking in a lot of my family dynamic relationships of like, I might have a sibling pressing on me to be like, but what's going on with that other sibling? And I'll, I will very often answer the question, it's not my business to share. It's not my news to share. Like, if you want to know, talk to them. Like, it's not my news to share. Uh, Rami, is there anything coming to mind for you on this topic of transparency versus discretion and how you find the balance to be more trustworthy as a human? Shannon, you know, my hair is so big because it's full of secrets. (laughs) Isn't that what they say in Mean Girls? I don't know, but I'll go with it. Um, I think it's tricky and I think it's 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 a very difficult thing to get the balance right on and I struggle a lot with when I talk personally about the right amount to share and not share it's one of those things where if I know you want to see a picture of Prince I'm going to show you pictures of Prince but like I'm not going to be like you need to see a picture of Prince like I you want to see a picture of print? I got thousands. Like yes, I will show you everything. But I I struggle a lot with not like just jumping into like I'm going to show you a picture of prints, and I even I struggle with it with my team because we have like a weekly or a daily uh, scrum, and <clears throat> I'm like I want to share stories about prints, and so I don't usually lead scrum, but when I do, I'm like, hey, I'm leading scrum, so like. This is just dead noise. I'm just going to tell you guys stories about Prince. Um, <laughs> and so it's a thing that I I really struggle with is like how much to like talk versus not uh, when it comes to personal things. The thing that I think is more, uh, not more interesting, it's separately interesting. It's like think about when you have secrets that impact the larger org at work, but that you cannot share with the team. Okay. So like, Oh yeah. If you knew that the company was going to acquire a company or like something was going to change in how you do your work. Yeah. Like the thing that I struggle with is like how to be strategic in those moments, but not, but (sighs) strategic while, getting the team aligned without them knowing the whole picture, right? It's like, hey, we need to start doing these things. And they go, well, why would we start doing those things? Like, those don't make any sense for what we're focused on right now. And it's like, um, yeah, you got to trust me. Like, here's what I'm thinking, and here's where I think we are long-term, and here's why I think we should start to shift to that thing. And so that's the part that I continuously struggle with is, like, you know where you need to go, but you can't be explicit you can't even be very implicit it's more like here's where i think here's where i think we need to be going so like how do we start to think about preparing for that and making those changes now yeah that's where i think this balance of transparency with discretion is most pertinent because you can't slip up on those things but you need the team to be thinking and and working towards those things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, if you set, so I love the question in this article where they say when you're exhibiting, when you're exhibiting discretion, make sure you're being transparent about why. 
Mm-hmm. So even in this moment, like if you had to think about, well, why can't you tell them? Like what? Maybe we can't even talk about it in this podcast. But do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you can't explain yeah. the why. And so you have to pivot around it. That's what I'm saying. Well, like, you can't explain the why you want them to do something. But if you just sit with the question of like, well, why is it not okay for them to know that eventually we're going to be partnering with this other company? Yep. Like, oh, it's because I don't want them to freak out about them losing their jobs or like whatever exactly. it is. That's what I'm saying. Like you want to make sure that people aren't preemptively getting excited or yeah. nervous or. Yeah. I mean, to me, the most part is like, I just don't want people wasting energy on things that we can't control and that don't have a direct impact on us right now. Yeah. Um, I'd rather attack what we can attack knowing these things. It's kind of like someone telling you the future and saying, here you go. And you can either choose to do something with that and like strategically apply that to what you're doing and pr- prepare your team for it or do nothing with it and then let it slap you in the face when it happens. And then you've got to like pivot for it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's the part that I struggle the most with is like, how to use that knowledge to better the team, knowing that <clears throat> you've got to kind of be very discreet about why. Yeah. I mean, that might be a totally separate side hug for us to explore sometime. Uh, but in the spirit of like keeping things moving today, the only other thing that I wanted to mention on this topic when it comes to transparency, I really want you to investigate candid feedback. Because in my opinion, giving people candid feedback is a form of transparency. Mm-hmm. Like, find a reframe for yourself there. Because I would I would guess, Rami, you can tell me if I'm wrong, we both said, oh, we're very transparent people. Like, we're, we're more, we lean more towards civ status. And I would assume, maybe I, incorrectly, I'll just speak for myself, Feedback can be tough for me sometimes. Like giving candid feedback to someone can be tough for me. Is it tough for you sometimes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like even if you think, oh, but I'm a super transparent person, I want you to look at it through the lens of feedback then. Are you being candid about the feedback that you have for people? You can still be kind, but be candid, like not mince words. Uh, And are there places and spaces where you could be more transparent with your boss, people you work with? to share the things, the the feedback that you actually have. That's a form of transparency too. Okay, I digress. Let's move on to theme four in the interest of time. Theme four was uh, we can be trustworthy humans by building bridges that unify. And I really loved the the framing around this topic. Because it's like, oh yeah, like I want to be a collaborator. But the author of the article, I think, has a really interesting way of getting at it. By encouraging us to look at the question of who are my rivals and how might I turn them into accomplices? So even if we just explore that, there's there's one more question, but I just want to sit with those for a minute. So, for example, when I was at my time at Target, I would sometimes see our CFT partners as my rivals, right? Like I'd be like, those damn buyers, they keep being stinkers and doing shit that we shouldn't be doing, you know? And I wish at the time I would have sat with this question so I could build more trust with them instead of perceiving them as my rivals. So I think explore the question, who are you maybe currently perceiving as a rival inside your organization or your family or whatever? And how can you turn them into accomplices? 
I like that. I like that pivot too of like, how can I make my enemies yeah. closer? Like target sourcing services, um, MPD presentation and display. Sometimes, like I would just be like, "You're the bane of my existence. You're creating so many problems for my team." And it's 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 what we've talked about many times before. Of like that's kind of like first first go around manager brain of like I'm just going to mm-hmm. protect the shit out of my team. But it's like you you got to learn to think more broadly than that. Okay, and then the second question around building bridges that unify is ask yourself the question, who do I want to get to know better? Because the reality is the more you learn about what's important to others, especially people different than you, the less likely you are to misjudge them and the more trust that you gain as a result of not constantly misjudging them or misinterpreting them. Are you saying uh have more empathy for people? I think I am. So I really like this one, though. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I like this one a lot because there are people who <clears throat> you may think you are constantly disagreeing with, but as soon as you get, like, one level below their armor, you guys, like, connect. And yeah. so you can still, like, disagree, which I think is healthy. Yes. Uh, but then at least disagree with respect, which I think is the important piece here. I think when you don't have respect and you disagree, then things can go off the rails. But when you have respect and uh, dignity for each other, then I think um, healthy disagreement is really good. Um, It only makes things better. Yeah, well put. Okay, so let's bring this home. What can you take away from this episode? Honestly, I probably should have said this at the beginning. I hope you write down the questions and actually sit with them a little bit. Maybe I'll say them one more time to just check in a little bit. I won't say the themes, but the questions. Questions for you to check in on. What are my stated values? How have I embodied them lately? Are there any say-do gaps that I need to address? Second set of questions. How might I create other how might I create opportunities for others to shine? How might I create an even more safe-to-fail environment? Third group of questions, where might I need to be more transparent? Where might I need to exhibit more discretion? And then the final group of questions that we just talked about, who are my perceived rivals? How might I turn them into accomplices? Who do I want to get to know better? Okay, so how do you bring this home? I I really want to dare you to put pen to paper unreflect on these questions, right? It's one thing to hear them in a podcast episode, but to actually sit down and reflect on them or be even more bold potentially and take them into your workplace, take them into your next team meeting. If you're a leader of teams, take them to your peer group and say, I really am thinking a lot about how we want to cultivate a culture of trust in our broader work environment. I want to like, can we all sit down and reflect and see what comes up for us in these questions? Because in reality, we're all going to benefit if we can each trust other people a little bit more day in, day out. Okay. So with that, we would love for you to connect with us on Instagram or LinkedIn. And I would love for you to share which of these questions resonated the most with you, like which one got you thinking the most and has the potential to create like a, a shift within you. I love it. With that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami and this has been Workplace Hugs. Workplace Hugs.